Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. This is Dylan Burroughs along with Joe Kerr, and we're excited to be with you today. And today's program includes a special guest from Kindred Community Church in Anaheim Hills, California. We have with us today Pastor Philip DeCourcy. He is also host of Know the Truth Ministry, a daily radio broadcast that uh, you may have heard along the way. So we are excited to have him here with us, and we're going to be talking about a variety of topics related to Bible prophecy. But first, Pastor DeCourcy, welcome to A View From The Wall. Dylan, thanks for the uh, kind uh, welcome. Uh, Hello to Joe, too. Uh, It's a joy to be with you guys, partner with your ministry for the cause of Christ. Well, we appreciate all of your work over the years, and your church especially has been very faithful to proclaiming the truth on this issue of Bible prophecy today. But as we begin, I want to help our listeners become familiar with you a little bit. So let's start with uh, your own personal testimony, how you came to Christ, and what God has done to bring you to the point where you are today in ministry. Sure. Um, in, in God's kindness and providence, I grew up in a Christian home in the city of Belfast in Northern Ireland. I was born in 1961, and uh, in my teen years, was sociologists would call me a child of the troubles because our country was kind of imploding into civil conflict between the, uh, the pro-British forces and the IRA and stuff like that. But in the middle of all of that, uh, as I said, I grew up in a Christian home. My mother and father had come to Christ. My dad was a deacon in a Baptist church, and they faithfully taught me the gospel. I love that about them. I'm thankful that they didn't, uh, you know, run from their obligation to instruct their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We didn't have a choice when it came to church. And uh, we, we, you know, happily or unhappily, we were brought and uh, set under the gospel. And certainly as one without a love for Jesus Christ, I bristled. I didn't enjoy it. I looked at the clock. I, I wished I'd been born in another home and I could run free like my friends. Um, but, you know, God in his goodness uh, tracked me down. In fact, God used, Joe and Dylan, God used prophecy in my life to bring me to faith in Christ. I, I knew I needed to be saved. I was never a rebel with a, you know, without a cause. I was never one who, you know, discounted it. I just kind of go, hey, someday I'll get round to that, but I need to sow my wild oats. I need to enjoy the world, and at some point I'll get the you know, the gospel insurance card and sticking in my back pocket. But uh, that's that's no way to approach the precious gift of Jesus Christ. God opened my eyes, and the verse he used was Matthew twenty four forty four. be ready, for in such an hour as you think not yes. the Son of Man comes. And the thing that struck me about that, the Holy Spirit uses the Word to bring us to regeneration. And I think the Holy Spirit reminded me, hey, you don't get to play Russian roulette with your soul. There's Heaven and hell is in the balance. And you need to come to Christ not on your terms, not on a day you pick, but today's the day of salvation. And the Spirit of God drew me to Christ. I realized I couldn't play with that. Jesus could be back um, and take his church home, and uh, I could be left behind. And uh, I realized, hey, i got to get to Christ uh, before Christ comes back, and that urgency, the, the, the implications of biblical prophecy in the light of the cross, and the second coming was the trigger point that brought me to faith at the age of 16. I love the name of your radio program, and you articulated that well in your testimony. The program is called Know the Truth. It's sad that we have to define 
what we mean when we say truth. What inspired you to tackle that subject that directly? Yeah, Joe, I mean, look, you know, the whole Bible to choose from in terms of a theme and a tenor with our ministry. I love that verse because it's, it, it says that all the truth will set you free. Now, in one sense, I think by your own comments, we're saddened that we have to even fight over the idea of truth. We're, we're increasingly in a, a post-Christian culture here in North America, certainly in Western Europe. Um, that, that is the case, and truth is up for grabs. Truth is, is a piece of wax that can be molded to suit a culture or a person's personal choices. But we know, just even in the light of the Ten Commandments, truth has been written in granite stone. Truth has been revealed by the God of truth. It's it's immovable. It's it's true in all cultures at all times, and that's a Christian perspective. And I think in the den which we're in, where we're seeing, uh, you know, sadly, a, a jettisoning of God's goodness to a, a nation like ours. Nevertheless, it's a Romans one. It's always been the case to varying degrees that men suppress the truth. And so, well, you know, we decided to call our ministry Know the Truth because people don't know the truth. And so we want to bring that truth to them. We want them to know that God has spoken, that God is not silent, that God is not a deistic a deity. He's not distant and removed. He has spoken. He has entered history through his son, and he has revealed the truth about us in relation to him, the purpose of creation, the purpose of our lives. He's defined marriage, life, all of that. And so that's my passion as a minister of the gospel, Joe and Dylan. Hey, I want to preach the whole counsel of God. I want to bring to this generation the truth of the gospel that, you know what, it's only in, ironically, think about this, slavery to Jesus Christ, that true freedom is found, and that's the other side of that equation, the truth will set you free. Hey, look at our culture, guys, you know this better than me, and you signed this note in your own broadcast. I mean, what what has all our autonomy from God brought us? What has our declared freedom from dogma brought us? I mean, that's what Steve Jobs said at a Stanford University commencement service, don't be trapped in someone's dogma. Well, you know what? God has declared his dogma, but if we'll give ourselves to it, the, the irony is we get free. Um, there's no freedom and autonomy from God. Look at the rise in suicide. Look at the depression that's marking our culture, the purposelessness. You know, we're back to the days of judges. You know, that when every, every man's doing what's right in his own eyes, and, and it's not good for our homes. It's not good for our children. It's not good for our nation. So I want to remind people, hey, if God is God, uh, then he has the right to tell us how to live since he created us for his glory. And yet he's a loving creator, a gracious creator. He's loved us in his son, Jesus Christ. And if we'll give our lives to him and live within the boundaries of his prescribed law and commandments and goodwill, that's freedom. Guys, if I can squeeze this in, and I, I, I loved soccer when I was growing up in, in the UK. And we, I played two kinds of soccer. You know, I played the real game with a referee in, in my kit, and there was the white lines. There was, you know, there was the sidelines, there was the penalty box, all of that. And, and that was very enjoyable. But sometimes I come home from school, threw my school bag in, went out with my pals, and we just took our shirts off, threw them on the grass, created two goalposts. But there was no boundaries. And, and we get into all kinds of arguments with each other. But, you know, well, that was out. No, it wasn't. Like the line was here. No, it wasn't here. And the, the soccer game turned into a boxing match. 
because there was no boundaries. And it's funny, when we lived within those boundaries playing soccer, we enjoyed it. When we kind of made the game up for ourselves, it was a mess. And that's such a good illustration of what we see in our culture today, this idea that truth is something to be known through Jesus Christ. The truth will set you free. This is a a matter of freedom, not a matter of bondage. And it's a message that we need to hear and proclaim today. And when we come right back to A View from the Wall, more from Pastor DeCourcy, so stick with us. From I Am a Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am a Watchman Minute. Reading warning labels can be entertaining. A TV remote control warning label read, Not dishwasher safe. The warning label on an iron read, Never press clothes when on the body. You know those warning labels came about because at some point, some person, probably a male, thought it would be a good idea to save time and iron his clothes when they were on, or clean a TV remote by putting it in the dishwasher. Humans seem to need warnings. The wise heed warnings. Hundreds of practical and prophetic warnings can be found in Scripture. They are provided to ensure our protection and prepare us for the future. I encourage you to take advantage of free I Am A Watchman resources to grow in the Word and become more aware of the prophecies that warn of what is to come. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a watchman. Iamawatchman.com Welcome back to A View from the Wall. This is Dylan Burroughs with Joe Kerr, and we've been talking with Pastor Philip DeCourcy. And as we start this second segment, I want to take a moment to talk about not just his speaking and his ministry at the church and with Know the Truth Ministries, but also some of his books. And Pastor DeCourcy, you have a devotional book called Emergency Rations, and I love the title. That's this idea of helping people survive the struggles of life. I want you to take a little bit of time to talk about why you wrote this book and how you hope it it will help people in their walk with God. Yeah, I mean, thanks, Dylan. I mean, that's one of three books we've written. The other ones take cover, and I've just put out a little booklet called, um, you know, I'm Anxious. And in some degree, there's a, a certain theme that ties these all together, you know, and the, and the title of Emergency Rations kind of preaches itself. Uh, you know, I live in California, and, and we're told by the state, hey, always have emergency rations in your home uh, water, blankets, because at some point, hey, we could be hit with a, a, an earthquake, and the big one's been promised for many, many years. And so you kind of, well, you don't live uh, for that every day. You realize, hey, you know, I need to have some rations that will, will help me go through the tough times. And that little book is a devotional that comes out of, I write a devotional every week for our radio listeners that they can sign up for at ktt.org. It's a truth matter. And then we really took a hundred of those just about struggling with, with, with fear, uh, struggling with your Christian life and how to pray and, and, and pursue sanctification and holiness. And so the book is really very accessible. You don't need to read it in one setting. It's a kind of book you can set, uh, you know, on your coffee table or your bedside cabinet. But the whole point is this, you know, I was at the Irish Baptist College in Belfast for my first training as a pastor. And Dr. Ivor Oakley, who's now dead, was our president. And he often said, guys, preach to broken hearts and you'll never lack a congregation. And I think that stayed with me. I, pre- I preached the whole counsel of God. But I realize, and you guys will know this, on any given Sunday morning, I'm looking out across a sea of faces, and they're struggling. 
They're struggling in their homes and their lives and their walk with God. The enemy has attacked them. They've discouraged themselves through disobedience. And so my writings kind of want to pick that theme up and remind them of the sufficiency of God's grace, remind them that the Bible addresses those issues in their life and they can go to Christ, go to the throne of grace, you know, find security in the sovereignty of God. Because, you know, as someone has said, we're either going into trouble, we're either in trouble, we're either coming out of trouble, or we're going back into trouble. And so (laughs) by preaching and my writing, not exclusively, but generally, I want to minister to broken hearts. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent way to put it. I was looking this morning at one of the Christian retail publications, and out of the 10 top Bible studies, six of them dealt with themes of overcoming defeat, adversity, discouragement, problems, right. finding hope, all of those themes that you hit. And watchmen that we minister to deal with some of those same things. I mean, let's face it, as a watchman, you're called to watch, warn, witness, and you have a tendency to focus on the enemy and what he's up to. That's part of your job. But as they're doing that, we don't want them to get completely overwhelmed with all the negative, the destruction, all of the negative news and everything that's happening. How do we help them to balance that message of reality like you said, people live those kind of lives, but also yeah. still live in hope and not live in fear. How do we how do we get them to balance that, Pastor DeCourcy? Yeah, Joe, it's a great point. And, and look, what I've just said, I, I address those issues. I, I, I address those issues in a way that also sounds the note of victory. Of course, Christians deal with anxiety. We deal with sexual temptation. We deal with, you know, how, um, how do we obey Christ in difficult situations? So we address those, but we must always bring that note of victory. So the point is to move them on that they, you know, Jesus, or Paul says of Christ and us, he always leads us in triumph. While temptation is real, we don't have to succumb to it. While, diso- while obedience in difficult situations is hard, it's possible. And so that's the balance I try to strike. I want to meet people where they are, you know? It's that old hymn, Just As I Am Without One Plea. I want people to come to Christ as they are, but we don't want to leave them where they are. Um, you know, the New Testament, the epistles remind us there is such a thing as a victorious Christian life. We are more than conquerors through Christ that loved us. And especially on prophecy, I think you're right. Look, I'm the same with you guys. I warn my people. I try to show them the signs of the times. I take them through the prophetic scriptures and say, hey, we're being told this is going to happen. And it's discouraging. But at the same time, as with the New Testament writers, they always end with an encouraging note or an exhortation. And we don't want to get so caught up in the global trends and the fulfillment of the biblical prophecy where we're kind of going around, guys, like chickens with their heads cut off, where it's the sky is falling mentality. Biblical prophecy was never written to produce panic in the life of the believer. And I think maybe one example, Joe Dillon, would be First Thessalonians is written, one of the earliest letters of Paul, he addresses almost this kind of obsession with prophecy and and prophetic thought, and it seems there was disorder in the church. People were even thinking about giving up their jobs, and and Paul balances that to to your point, Joe. The balance is, hey, hold on a minute. I want you, 1 Thessalonians 4, isn't it, 11 and 12, I want you to live quiet, peaceable lives. I want you to work with your own hands. 
And so prophecy, while it warns us about what's happening so that we're not, you know, overtaken or overwhelmed, it, it, the balance is, hey, but right, I'm, I'm to be faithful in my little field and for fear. We're to be the children of God whose hearts are not troubled. And that's, that's the so way good. we're to live. We're to be that counter kind of culture within the culture. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. That's so good. I appreciate that perspective, and it reminds me of a passage in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, that was shared with me today. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And I know so many times uh, people, whether it's in your congregation, Pastor DeCourcy, or whether it's our listeners or people we see in our day-to-day lives, there's so much of a sense of discouragement that it could be overwhelming. And verses like this and resources like yours that you're talking about make all the difference in helping us stay firm and focused on God's yeah, I mean, Word. Uh, yeah, Dylan, I mean, I sit our congregation all the time. I like this little statement I want to share with your listeners. Biblical prophecy is not a sedative. It's a stimulant. And, and, and it's not a sedative. It's not to make us passive and, as you've just said, kind of, you know, just rolling over and playing dead or, or being overwhelmed. It's a stimulant. It, it brings hope. It, gives, it brings fortitude. In the end, we know we win. When you know the end result, when you're down in the third quarter or the second quarter of the game, if you know that where, how it's going to end, man, that just gives you a second win. It's, it, it gives you an ability to keep moving forward and if biblical prophecy produces panic it hasn't been properly taught and it's certainly not been properly applied Yes, that's such a good way to put it. And I love your reference to 1 Thessalonians 4. We're to encourage one another with these things, the Apostle Paul told us. And when we come back, we're going to do that some more in our final segment. Stick with us here on A View from the Wall. Wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, disasters, violence, immorality, and political corruption. Is there any hope? The answer is yes. But how can you know? Plan now to attend the Hope for Our Times conference June 28th through the 30th in Indian Wells with over 15 world-class speakers, including Pastor James Cadiz. We're not of those people that are going to be overtaken like a thief. Jan Markell. Things are all falling in place, and that's the good news. Dr. David Reagan. God has used this nation, our wealth, and our ingenuity to put the gospel out all over the world. And Pastor Jack Hibbs. When you get together with the Lord in these last days, expect Him to speak to you. Reserve your spot for this powerful conference, the Hope for Our Times Conference, June 28th through the 30th in Indian Wells. Log on to HopeForOurTimes.com. A limited number of rooms at the Hyatt Regency have been reserved at a special rate. So log on today at HopeForOurTimes.com. HopeForOurTimes.com. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. This is Dylan Burrows with Joe Kerr, and we've been talking with Pastor Philip DeCourcy. And in our last segment, we talked a lot about this idea of the conflict between the discouragement we see in our culture today and the joy and hope we find in Jesus Christ and in His Word. Uh, we love this perspective that uh, Pastor DeCourcy has when we talk about the trials we face in this life, yet we know who wins the game. And so when we look at a verse like 2 Timothy 3.13 that tells us evil will get worse and worse, uh, we know that there's an end to it. So tell us a little bit in this segment about what 
we should expect in the days ahead, both the evil that we know that we will continue to face and also the encouragement we can look forward to with our reality in the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ? Sure. I mean, look, there's going to come a point in which the world is is going to get worse and worse. Um, you know, we're we're not ascending, uh, you know, to some better form. The, the Bible tells us the history will descend into pandemonium, and and for that, Christians are realists, and and that's just a reality. Um, but but the counter to that is again back to Joe's point, your point, Dylan. We got to balance that. What does that mean for us? Again, the sky is falling. You know, we dress in white robes and go up to the top of the hill and put our hands up and pray Jesus comes immediately. No, that's not what we see in the New Testament. We see before the rapture of the church, before, you know, uh, the, the, the tribulation, um, before the millennial kingdom and the everlasting state, that Christians are to be unmovable. Christians are to be hopeful. Christians are to be the counterculture. Um, because I love Proverbs 4. 18, isn't it? That the path of the justice is a light that shines brighter and brighter and brighter. So while the dark, the culture around me is getting darker and darker, the path of discipleship is one in which we're just entering into ever-increasing light. And I've got to live that. My neighbors have got to see that. They've got to see the difference. They've got to see that I'm not allowing the world to squeeze me into its mold philosophically, emotionally. I am going to live as a child of light. That's not First Thessalonians 5, guys, where Paul talks about, hey, the day of the Lord will come, and it will come as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord is, I believe, the great tribulation period, the, 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 the several years leading up to, to Jesus' physical second coming and the judgment of the nations and the millennial kingdom. But, you know, we're told, hey, as he, he says that, but you are not of the night. You're the children of the light, and that's our legacy. And so while... We want to, there's nothing wrong with charting the course of human history, nothing wrong with trying to connect some dots in terms of biblical fulfillment. At the end of the day, I'm not looking for the Antichrist, I'm looking for Christ. Uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm one who believes in the, the pre-tribulational rapture of the church, that I'm, I'm not appointed to wrath, I'm not of the night, I'm a child of the light. And that just gives me hope. It gives me a message to tell my neighbors. It, it shows me the difference that Christ makes. And so I love Joe's point. This is the balance we've got to strike. We've got to not ignore what's coming. But but our destiny is not the destiny of the world, and that's just just the blessed hope of His glorious appearing. And I, the, the job of the church is to make sure that the blessed hope doesn't become a buried hope. Oh wow, that is so good. I'm I'm going to steal that phrase. I'm just warning you up front. That was <laughs> I shall so good. Not steal. <laughs> in your book, Take Cover, you talk about finding peace in God's presence, and you've articulated that beautifully in that last section. Watchmen and women from all over the world, over 100 countries, listen to this program or visit our website and use our resources. We invite every one of our guests to address that international community of watchmen with a word of encouragement and challenge in their difficult calling. What would you say to watchmen everywhere in these last days? Well, Dylan, Joe, thanks for the opportunity to be with you guys today and open the door into your audience. I want to bring a word to them of, of here's what God calls us to do in, in the light of biblical prophecy, the hope of Jesus' return. I, I, I like to often remind my congregation, we need to be doing first things first in the last days. It may be the last days. In fact, it is the last days. We may be entering the last 
of the last days. But First Thessalonians, guys, was one of the earliest letters of Paul. And, and in it, it's, it's just full of prophetic truth and implications. That's what strikes me, that prophetic hope was part of the early church, a big part. And, you know, recently I've just come back through that letter. Every chapter finishes with an exhortation to live out the implication of Jesus in return for his church. Chapter 1, they're told to weigh it up. For his, for his return. They're, they're, they're to be expectant. Um, chapter 2, they're told to win souls because Paul rejoices in the fact that those who he has brought to Christ in Thessalonica are his crown of rejoicing at the appearing of Jesus Christ. In chapter 3, he calls them to live blameless before the coming of Jesus Christ. It's a call to holiness, separation from the world, both in our outward character and conduct and our inward commitments. Chapter 4, he says, hey, in the light of death, we've got hope in the resurrection, the return of Jesus Christ. And he tells him, hey, use that. Use the thought of the rapture and the resurrection and the return of Jesus to encourage those who are heartbroken. And in chapter 5, he talks about the fact that we are to live together for him, that the Christian life is a corporate experience. It, it's personal, but it's not individual. And, it, and that's just a sampling, guys, of this call to, in the light of the emerging signs, in the light of the imminence of Jesus' return for his church, hey, we got to be living with an eye to the sky. we got to be winning people to Jesus Christ. We've got to be living holy lives in the midst of a Sodom and Gomorrah culture. We've got to offer hope to the dying, because we can, and we've got to live together. We've got to be in a company of believers on the Lord's Day, under the Word of God, accountable to elders, where we can live out our life and community to each other. You know, just a week ago or two weeks ago, Warren Wearsby passed away, one of my favorite authors, and he said one day in a sermon in Belfast, my home city in Northern Ireland, he says, many years ago, he says, I switched from the organizing committee to the welcoming committee when it came to the return of Jesus Christ. And I always thought that was a good little thought. It's, it's good to try and work out and connect the dots, but we can't organize the return of Jesus Christ. We've we got to get off that organizing committee and get onto that welcoming committee, make sure that we're living day by day. Like the verse the Lord used in my life, be ready, yes. for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. That would be my word to our international watchman. Oh, that is so good, Pastor DeCourcy, and it reminds me so much of Revelation 22. Uh, we have this to look forward to. Verse 3 says, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. And it goes on to say they will reign with Him forever and ever. That is what we have to look forward to, and despite today's discouragement at times, we have God's power within us now and a future with Him forever. And Pastor DeCourcy, we thank you for being with us today. And just a word to those who are listening today, I want to encourage you to take a moment to go to his website at ktt.org and find out more about his ministry, his radio programs, books, and other resources. And finally, we want to encourage you to check out IamAWatchman.com and subscribe to our email for all the latest. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube or our podcast on SoundCloud. And we always enjoy your comments. So leave us a comment in the area below where you've listened to this program. And we do look forward to joining you next time on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. 
The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.